Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. That's good. If you can't preach after that, I guess you can't preach, right? <laughs> hey, so I want to, I want to, uh, this is not the message. So, uh, I got, I got three of them. They're really short now. You know, at the end, I just, that, that word, when you prayed that this morning, Tommy, it just really, uh, it just really stirred something in me. So I'm going to go to Acts 27 really quickly. And highlight that. Let's see. Is it 27 or is it 28? Oh, it's 28. So I knew it was near the end of Acts. Um, it's Acts 28. And you can see that first part of the story. It says the islanders, they landed on the island of Malta. It says the islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed, welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Uh, and Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. And when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. And the people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. So here's the deal. When you're going through something, there's other people that are, and expect things are going to happen to you. And you get to join in. You can either agree with their expectation or you can say, no, I'm going to agree with the Word of God. So Paul, so they expected him to swell up suddenly and fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. So, I mean, these people are all over the place. Let's just, let's just say it for the people of Malta here. They show up, they're like, hey, welcome! And then gets, you get a snake on you. (laughs) And then they're like, he's gonna die! And then they change their mind, no, he's a god! And they're like, man, you need to make up your mind. So, uh, speaking of being double-minded, right? That's kind of the definition of double-minded right there. Where it says in James, don't be double-minded about things. That means, that means you're, you're over here, and then you're over here. You're over here, and then you're over here. Oh, it's good. No, it's bad. It's good. Jesus is gonna do it. Oh, how am I gonna get out of this? It's never gonna happen. This is the worst thing ever. Oh no! It's amazing! Oh no, it's horrible! Uh, that's double-minded. <laughs> So it says there was an estate, this is the part I want to highlight. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. And he welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this, get this, when this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. That's pretty cool right there. So here's the deal. What would have happened if Paul just said, oh man, that was an awesome rescue, God, but I'm just not going to make it. <laughs> it, it that was, that, I had a good run, but, you know, finally caught up with me. You know, you can only dodge death so many times. You know, Paul, he'd already been stoned several times. He'd, he'd already been resurrected from the dead, basically. You all know that earlier in Acts, they throw stones at him. It says he falls on the ground. And then they, then it says the disciples had to come outside and they place their hands on him. Then he suddenly gets up. He, he might have been dead. 
There's a good chance. I'm going to say 77% chance. Just totally biblical guess. <laughs> Seven, 77. <laughs> it's a biblical number. So <laughs> lots of sevens. But here's the deal. Instead of that, Paul shakes it off. And then what happens is a revival happens on the island. There's, there's all this stuff that God wants to do on the island of Malta. And Paul refuses to get caught up in his personal challenges, his personal battle. Instead, he says, I'm going to, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And this actually is going to sneak us into the the rest of the message here, I think. Uh, you know, he says, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And he just goes in and says, okay, we're going to start with the, the head of the whole island here. They call him in. He's sick. And so Paul says, let's pray. It says, Paul prayed first. Then he laid hands on him, just changed it up. He didn't say he prayed as he laid hands on him. He said, he, he said after prayer, then he laid his hands on him and he was healed. So you can pray before and then lay hands on. It doesn't matter. There's no formula is all I'm saying. Uh, just You're following the Holy Spirit. And the rest of the island, so there's a great move of God that happens on the island of Malta. You know, I mean, Paul could have been like, oh, man, how, why did this shipwreck happen? And God's like, guess what? I'm sending you. You may be wondering, why is all this stuff happening? And God's like, hey, guess where you're going to end up? You're going to end up next to somebody that needs to see you, that needs to see Jesus, that needs to have an encounter with somebody that has love in their heart, with someone with kindness in their mouth, with someone with joy in their spirit. And you're like, how did I end up on a shipwreck on somewhere else where it seems like it's going crazy? And God says, look, I'm, I'm at work in the storm. I mean, sometimes God doesn't calm the storm. He sends you to a remote island. <laughs> That's what we get from this. I mean, not physically, literally, because there's no water around here. But uh, <laughs> that would really be something, right? But spiritually, you know, you might be going through the storm, and you're like, God, calm the storm, God, calm the storm. You know, Jesus, we start quoting the story of Jesus. He was asleep in the boat, and then God's like, look, this storm, I need, you, I need it to get you somewhere. I need you to end up somewhere so you can be with somebody else. You know, Jesus had this happen all the time. He just ended up in the right place at the right time. Was it just luck? (laughs) Was it just chance? Was it, or was it God? Was it divine appointments? Hey, turn to John chapter 4. This is the real message. That was free. <laughs> but it's a great lead in to John chapter four and verse we're gonna we're gonna actually skip the whole story. Jesus ends up in the land of Samaria and he is talking to you know his disciples go into town to buy food. It says Jesus was tired. Hey, so if you're tired, you're just being just like Jesus. So it's okay. So sometimes even Jesus got tired. He was 100% God and 100% human. So he did get tired. It says that he sent the disciples on and says, I'm, I'm not going to make it, guys. You all go and get me some, get the food, get the supplies for staying here in Samaria. And so he has his, his, he has this encounter with this woman. Samaritan woman call, comes to draw water and not going to get into all that. But basically there's this conversation and she comes to salvation. Uh, 
she, through the conversation with Jesus, he has a word of knowledge. He knows something about her. He has knowledge of something and information that only God has that he didn't have before about her. And it leads her to this point of repentance and change. And then she goes and gets the whole town. So while she's gone, this is where we're going to pick up. So she has just left. And Jesus has basically just said to her, this is one of the few times where Jesus was totally straight with someone. She says, hey, I hear the Messiah's coming. And he basically says, hey, the one that's talking to you, that's me. Hello, I'm the Messiah. Most of the time, Jesus had people figure it out. But this time, he just said straight up to her, I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. So just then, this is verse 27, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Okay, so that was kind of like the, the no-go at that point, especially the Samaritan woman, kind of culturally not not correct. Uh, Jesus crosses cultural barriers, just FYI. Uh, so should we. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, okay, so the woman's still there, excuse me, I, I changed it up, she hadn't left. The woman, the, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? You know, it, really, when you're preaching your testimony, it doesn't have to, have to be all fancy. I mean, how many of you would use your testimony as, hey, there's somebody who told me everything I ever did. That's my, te- that's her testimony. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm trying to get rid of those things, everything I ever did, you know? <laughs> but this guy told me about him and still loved me. That's, that's, that's the heart of it. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and, and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, back with the disciples, switch scenes. He said to them, oh wait, his disciples said to him, Rabbi, Eat something. Hey, man, let's let's put it in terms today. Jesus, we just got you the food. Let's eat. This is we got a break now. All the people are gone. We better do it because I, I I guarantee you they're looking at her going like she's coming back with a whole group. Because <laughs> that's the way it was with Jesus. He showed up with one person. They go get a bunch more, right? I mean, it's just just he was a magnet for people. They were attracted to him. They just wanted to be with him. Uh, when you're around pure love, people want to be with you. So. But he said to them, this is what Jesus said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then the disciples, they play the human thinking game here in their heads here, right? Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? I mean, they're all, I mean, you get how focused they are. They're just focused on, we had to go find food. We came back with the food. Jesus is hungry. Let's eat. And Jesus is like, I got some food that you don't any know about. <laughs> and so, this is it. My food, said Jesus, is this. Listen to this. Is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And he finishes it out talking about the harvest. Don't you have a saying it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. 
Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And I don't want to talk about the harvest today. I love reading that scripture and reminding us that this is still true today. The harvest is still plentiful. The harvest is still right now. Uh, we are in a season where people are ready to receive Jesus. Don't believe what the TV says. Don't believe what the TV says. This is, this is the time right now. This is a time where people need to encounter real love, real power, real life, real believers in Jesus, like this woman met Jesus that day, the same way. Where Jesus could point out her sin, and she could still know that it was full of love. And be drawn to Him rather than pushed away. Because Jesus wasn't judging her, he was giving her an opportunity to be, to be free from her bondage. And that's what we want to give, is an opportunity for someone to be free from bondage. Not a finger pointing them to say, that's who you are and you're going to stay that way. I mean, that's really what judging means, is like, you're going to, you're never going to change. You're stuck, you're stuck like this. That's who you are. That's what it means to judge somebody. It doesn't mean to point out that somebody did something wrong. Uh, it's really to say, it means basically saying, judgment is this. I mean, when a judge gives a sentence, boom, he pounds the gavel, it's over. There's no more conversation. This, this is how it's going to be for this long period of time. Whatever the period of time is it, it's over. That's a judgment. So we're not called to judge and pronounce, boom, it's over. We're pronounced, say, hey, that this is wrong. Let's get free from that right now. Let me introduce you to the one who can free you. Let me introduce you to the one who is greater than the thing that is greater than you. So the harvest is still ready. But Jesus talks about food. I want to talk about the food of Jesus right now because this is Jesus' spiritual food. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to finish his work. Now here's the deal. Some of us get spiritual malnutrition. We, we are, sometimes we get spiritually malnourished. Have you ever just, I don't know, maybe I should just ask the teenagers. Have you ever just eaten like junk food for like a week straight? <laughs> yep. Do y'all remember doing that? I remember I, could, I used to get a whole bag of Cool Ranch Doritos. Like not this size, not the single serving, not the double serving, the family size, you know. When I was 16, I'd get the family size and the Lakers or the Dodgers were off. And guess where that bag of Cool Ranch Doritos went? The whole bag right here, okay. Now here's the deal. I don't think, well, I wonder if I could do that but not enough to try it, okay? Probably have a bad repercussions if I did that at 43. Um, I don't know. But here's the deal. If I eat Cool Ranch Doritos for a week straight, and that's all I eat, oh, man, at the end of the week, I'm going to be feeling it. There's going to be some malnourishment going on. I need some... I need some something healthy. I need some probably need some protein. I don't think there's any protein in Doritos. Do you think there's protein in Doritos? No, there ain't no protein. I'm not sure what's in Doritos, but it ain't protein. Okay, vitamins. 
Yeah, right. I, it might be on the label, but I don't believe it, okay? They're still good. I still like them. I'm not saying I won't eat them. I'm just saying if all I eat is Doritos, I'm going to be malnourished. And I'm going to be weak. And if someone says, and my wife says, hey, it's Monday, it's our day off, we're going to go for a run Monday morning. I'm not going to be raising my hallelujah at that point, okay? <laughs> I'm going to be dragging my hallelujah, okay? <laughs> I'm going to be dragging the hallelujah. So here's the deal. It happens spiritually too, right? We get spiritually malnourished because we're not feeding on the right food. What is one of the foods of us as believers in Jesus is what? The Word of God. Jesus said when the devil came to tempt him and he hadn't had any physical food for 40 days, he said, the devil said, turn this bread into a stone. And, and Jesus says, I li- my bread is to live from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's in uh, what Luke 3 and Matthew 3. Jesus says, no, my food is the Word of God. So one of our foods is the Word of God. Showing up on Sunday morning is good, but it's not a full meal. This is just, this is just, this is supposed to be an encouragement for you to eat. This is not supposed to be the meal. I mean, besides, if you eat once a week, you're going to be hungry by, I bet you by Monday. <laughs> Maybe even Sunday night. If I physically eat once a week, so even if we count this as a meal, but I think this is more of a, a sharing together to encourage us to eat, to drink in the presence of God, of the Holy Spirit, and to be drawn to the Word of God and begin to feast on it, but it's meant to make me hungry so I eat on my own. Have you ever... Hmm. Let's not go there. So if you don't eat, you're not going to be spiritually healthy. I didn't go there, babe. You don't even know what it was, but I didn't go there. (laughs) But Jesus said one of the other things that feeds us spiritually is this, obedience to God's will. This is where some of us miss the boat too sometimes. All of us do at at points, but some of us just miss the boat all the time because we can talk about things all the time. We can raise our hands on church and Sunday, but if I'm not going to do the will of God on Tuesday at 3 p.m., I'm not going to have spiritual food in my life. Jesus says, my food, I am sustained. I am, I am nourished when I am doing the will of him who sent me and finishing his work. I mean, Jesus was rejuvenated where he's not even bothered that he was tired and hungry before now. He has been rejuvenated. Some of us just came from camp. Remember we came from summer camp? It seems like a long time ago, right? Here's the deal. Here's what happens at camp. You're worshiping God for two to three hours a day. You're in the Word of God two or three times a day. You're with other believers that are encouraging you and praying for you several times a day. That is getting filled up. But if you stop eating after camp, you're going to be malnourished within a week. The other thing that happens at camp is this, or, or spiritual places, or experiences, or conferences, or even to a certain degree, a gathering of the church on a Sunday, or a Wednesday, or a Friday, is we are doing the will of God. Why do you feel so good when you worship God? Because that's God's will. You're created to worship. 
And so you're walking in the will of God. You are spiritually being fed because you are walking in the will of God. When you are doing, you know, when God says, hey, I want you to share this. I want you to go up front and take a take a risk. You know what's a risk come up here? Just FYI. Some of you are like, yeah, I know it's a risk. That's why I don't. <laughs> it's a risk to go out and say, oh, man, I'm feeling this pain. Is this me? Is this God? Is what? You have to test it out. You know, okay, I'm going to share this one from camp. I stepped out and did something new at camp. Just say congratulations, Pastor, okay? Um, you know, I'm not the one that normally has like the, you know, like the word during worship or whatever. I, I, I'll sing something. I'll sing whatever. I'll go into spontaneous worship. But I'm not the normal one. As we were praying, and I and I had I had I had dates come to me. You know, I was like specific response and then dates. And so I'm like, you have that look. It never goes away, y'all. Just so you know, it, taking a risk for God is always a risk. Okay, you don't ever like get to where, oh man, that's no big deal. I just do it all. No, it's always a risk. If you're stepping out to pray for someone, it, you know, can I pray for you? It's all it. That feeling doesn't go away. You have to just take that step of faith every time. So I came up and made the response, and people came forward, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this date thing. Okay, I said, so is anybody? So I tested it out, and I'm like, y'all might remember this. Is anybody's birthday and? February? Yeah, I mean, there's a 1 in 12 chance, right? <laughs> I mean, there's about 12 people up there. And, you know, I'm like, sure. And then, like, three of them are like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. This is great. I said, is any of your birthdays February 22nd? They're like, no. <laughs> I'm like, oops. That wasn't it. I said, well, I got another date. How about this one? Didn't explain anything to those people. They're like, <laughs> that's why my wife, this is like the, the debrief later. Like, what were you supposed to do with that? I don't know. Nobody had the birthday. <laughs> so I said, how about, how about this one? Let's throw out another date. You know, I had two. I had two specifically. I got that one the other day. And the, that morning, was it morning? Yeah, it was that morning. I'm, I'm praying. I'm like, are you saying dates? I feel like there's somebody with a specific date. And so I said, how about April 12th? I'm like, forget the April thing. I'm just going straight to the date. Nobody's standing up front. Says They're like, nope. Guy in the front row sitting down. My birthday's April 12th. I said, that's awesome, but I don't think this applies to you. I mean, I was like, this is a specific response to trauma and accidents in your life in the last couple years or early on in your life. And so I'm like, Okay, never mind. Let's just pray. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where you just go, you're like, okay, we're going to pray. Whatever. Maybe that was me, you know, and you just move on because it's not about me. I'm not, a, if I'm going to be embarrassed, then let's be embarrassed doing, trying something for Jesus, right? And so here's the deal. So I have someone come up to me later. This is how it happens sometimes, right? Is you go, is that anybody? And everybody's like, uh-uh. <laughs> No, 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 no. You're not getting me to do something where everybody looks at me at church. <laughs> They're looking at you up front. That's why I'm not raising my hand back here. So this, this is crazy because the response was traumatic events in your life recently or early on in your life. Okay. I was really, I even had the sense that it was like that the, some people had been 
the enemy had tried to kill him while they were in the womb, like maybe attempted abortion or just something early on happened. So this lady comes up to me and says, hey, what, what was the deal with that April 12th date? Because uh, my grandson, uh, who's like 10 or 11, he was, you know, laying down. He was, he'd already gone to sleep for worship. Okay, we did worship for a long time. So some of the kids were like, this is awesome. Let's, let's lay down for a minute. And so he said, but when he was 11 months old, his mom was tragically killed in a car accident. And his birthday is April 12th. And I'm like, ding, 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 ding. You're the, you're the, this is the dude right here. This is the one that God was telling me about. And so I, I shared with her, I said, well, she's like, well, what were you going to say next? I said, I'm not totally sure. <laughs> Cause I was waiting for someone to say, yes, that was the date. And then I'm like, God, what do we do with that? You know, but I said, I get this sense that God wants to speak into his life, that he's not an accident, that God has been with him and he's going to carry him through. And she said, she said this, I, you know, I want you to pray over him. Uh, and my wife ended up being the one to pray over him at a, at a separate time. He wasn't there at that time, uh, but he's been struggling with thoughts of, uh, of suicide and thoughts of like, why, why am I even on the earth? And it was like so amazing that God knew his birthday. You know what? When you step out and do the will of God, you are energized. You know, I'm like, man, bring on the dates, right? I don't know. Maybe that was a one-time thing for me. I'm not, it doesn't have to be any specific thing. But the point is, is when you're, when your sustenance, when your spiritual life is not doing the will of God, you're going to feel empty. You're going to feel sluggish. You're going to feel like, I don't, I don't want to be involved in any of this stuff. And here's the deal. You need to do the will of God. You need to do what he's calling you to do. If he's called you to do something, then start doing it. That's going to that's gonna fill you. That's part of your spiritual uh, nourishment. That's part of your spiritual food. You can't come and say, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me forever to somebody else. Whether that's your best friend or your church or your pastor. At some point, you have to learn to eat. The only people who can't feed themselves are babies who are born or people who are about to die. You have to spiritually feed yourself. Now, we're here to encourage one another to eat. That's what we're here for. We're like, hey, man, God's so awesome. He's doing great things. Let's eat this week, man. Nobody refuses going out to eat. If we said, let's go eat something, you all are excited. I know that Pastor Don's excited, right? Like, we, I see, he says, hey, let's go eat. He's like, brother, I'm there. I don't care what I'm doing. I'm going to get there, right? I, I'm the same way. You know, you want to, you want to go hang out? You want to go have lunch? Had friends, you had these guys say, hey, we're in town. Let's go to lunch. I'm like, absolutely. And they're like, we're going to buy. I said, absolutely. <laughs> What time? I'm free all during the lunch hour. Anytime you want to go. So we're meant to here to be encouraged to go home and eat. Eat the word. Read the word of God so you're filled. And then do what it says. Let's go to James 1. James chapter 1. We got a couple more scriptures here. This might be familiar to, to some of you. This might be totally brand new to you. It's okay either way. James 1 and verse 22. We're going to start there. 
It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. You have to become more than a hearer of the word. American Christian culture is really good at hearing the word. I mean, we have so many teachings. You can go online on YouTube and watch way better preachers than me all week. Whenever you want, you can watch it on your phone. You can pull it up on your TV. You can get it on your computer if you still even use that thing. Uh, wherever you want, it can be there, and you can get some amazing teaching from the Word of God. It's not for lack of teaching that the American church is sick. It's for lack of action. We have to do the Word. We have to just not be just... Amen. That's good. I have to do the hard work. It's sometimes hard to forgive someone. It's hard to work something out with someone. It's hard to love people. That's the hard work. That's doing the word. It's not even that hard to stand up and give a date. Okay, I just missed it. It's a whole lot harder to come alongside somebody and say, I'm going to walk you through this time of pain in your life, and I'm going to be there for you. But that's doing the word, doing what it says. Here's the, here's the deal. When we become hearers of the word only, what does it say? It says, we deceive ourselves. That's, that's just so fascinating because it makes us think we're eating. When we're hearers of the word, when we just listen to stuff and don't do it, it makes us think that we're spiritually eating and growing and maturing, but we're not. It's like eating like rice cakes or something. <laughs> or tofu. Or like this isn't really food, right? <sighs> it tastes like it. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it feels like I'm eating, but I'm really not. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of rice cakes <laughs> to fill you up, right? <laughs> That's even worse than Doritos maybe uh, for filling you up. You know, there's a... I'm reminded of a, I've, I've mentioned this several times, a, a, tr, uh, a series of books that I've read growing up and read to my oldest son now. It's called The Archives of Anthropos. And it's a allegory. So everything is like there's, everything is meant to portray something spiritually, even though it's a story from like castles and fantasy and, uh, you know, fighting wars and uh, enemies and stuff like that. But basically there's a, there's a figure who's like the, the devil figure who comes and presents food to someone in a prison and they're like, I'll just give you whatever you want. And they're like, oh, I want, I want this kind of food. I want this. And it's a young lady who's in the prison and she, she eats it. When she finishes eating, she's still hungry because it's not real. And then someone else says, oh, you, you want real food? I can make anything you want, but I can't 
make the real thing. Only, only the, the God, only God can, basically is what he says. Only the changer can. Only the changer can create something real. Only when you eat his. And then it's like, but then, then she feels all sticky. She's like, why am I all sticky? Well, just, that's what happens when you eat the enemy's food is you just get stuff all over you and you can't get it off. It's kind of like, kind of like sin, you know, it just, it just sticks to you and, you and you can't get it off. And she, of course, has to come to the only one who can clean her off, which is the Jesus figure, the shepherd. And the shepherd is the one that begins to wipe her face and she's not sticky anymore. And then the shepherd gives her the food and she eats it and she's like, is this going to be real? Is this going to fill me up? Or am I just gonna, is it just gonna feel like I'm eating, but I'm really not eating? And she eats it and she's, she's satisfied. That's what happens when we are doing the word, is we eat spiritually and we're satisfied like Jesus. He said, I'm gonna do the will of God and I'm gonna finish his work. You know, if we're gonna finish something, we need endurance. Uh, Hebrews 10, verses 35 and 39, we'll just put that on the screen. We can all read it together here. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done what? The will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. That's who you are. You're not the one who shrinks back. You have to quit telling yourself that. But endurance comes as we carry out the will of God. James 1 says this. James 1, if you're right there, just go to the start of James 1. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That's really... Uh, one of those unfortunate verses that you wish wasn't in the Bible, right? You're like, hey, I want to have that endurance. I, Lord, I want to not just be a flash in the pan spiritually. I mean, that's what happens when you have a feast at camp. You know what I'm saying? You get a spiritual feast at camp, and then you come back, and it lasts like a week, and then you're like, what do I do? Well, I'm not eating anymore. Because you're only going to get perseverance when you go through a test. When you're tested, when there's hard things that are in your life, when you're, when you're challenged, when you're pressed, when you're, when you're opposed. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That sounds like somebody who's well fed right there. Mature and complete. When you are feeding on the word of God and when you are carrying out the will of God, then you are going to be mature. You're going to be complete. You're going to be full. And you're going to have something to give. When you become weak, here's the deal. If you, if you try to, if you try to run or do some exercise after you haven't exercised in a long time, what's going to happen? It's going to be hard. Okay. A couple weeks ago, Speaking of running on Mondays, 
you know, my wife likes to run and she walks and runs all week. She gets all kinds of people and does it, tries to do it with them. Uh, I, I do it once a week. It's on Monday. <laughs> Some Mondays, like, you know, every few Mondays. So we go, we go on this, we, we start walking. It's, it's pretty early in the morning, you know, like 930. <laughs> My day off, okay? Maybe my kids have stayed at the grandparents' house, so I didn't have to get up at 7 with early, okay? So we go, and man, I'm feeling good. I haven't run in, I don't know how long, a while. She starts running, I start running with her. I'm going ahead of her. I'm, I'm pushing the pace. I'm like, come on, woman, pick it up. <laughs> Quit being so slow. <clears throat> we can go faster. And we ran, I don't know, a mile and a quarter or something like that. We're running from our house down to the, down to the duck pond, running by Lisa's house and Justin and Lisa's house and, uh, waving at them. They're not there. They're work, they're working. Um, and we walk around the duck pond. Then we walk, usually walk back and at some point we'll jog a little bit more. Get home, man. I'm feeling good. I'm like, man, that was awesome. I haven't run in a long time. I got up the next day. Whew. My back hurt all week. I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I do? (laughs) Because when you don't exercise, you're not used to uh, doing that kind of exertion. If you do a bunch, you're going to feel it for a while, especially if you're over a certain age, whatever age that is, at least 40, right? Maybe 35. I'm sure it gets better at 50. Some of us don't exercise our faith. And then when we try to do it, when we try to step out and do the will of God, we're like, oh, man, I don't know if I could do that anymore. And you're like, I haven't run in years, you know. It's like, well, we better start with just a walk. I mean, God's not going to have you start with the marathon. He's going to say, here's my will today. I want you to go from here to there. And I'll walk with you. But you, you have to take the steps. You have to take the steps. I know it's a nice poem that says Jesus carried us and, uh, and all that. And that, that's obviously true at some point. But most of the time, Jesus is walking beside us or in front of us saying, this is the way, walk in it. Come with me. I've, I've empowered you. I've, I've given you what you need so you can walk it out. And you're going to give hope to somebody else so they know if they can make it. <laughs> I can make it too. Look, we're walking together. You get enough people doing the will of God. Other people are drawn to do the will of God. And they find out, hey, guess what? That actually fills my tank to serve God. It doesn't drain me. It fills me. So whatever it is that God's been kind of poking on your heart about, you need to listen. And don't just be a hearer, be a doer. And if you don't know what God wants you to do, first of all, there's a lot of stuff in here that he says, hey, just walk in this. Most of it's about our character. It's not about figuring out our new ministry. It's about, hey, guess what? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Hey, if you're walking in self-control, that's the will of God. You're walking in peace. That's the will of God. You're, you're walking in faithfulness. 
That one's not common anymore. Being faithful to your job. Being faithful to the bad boss that you have. I'm just going to be faithful and do what I'm, what I'm supposed to do. Doesn't matter if it's unfair. Doesn't matter if everybody around me is not doing it. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to be one who's faithful. They're going to look at that guy and go, that, that guy or that gal, they're faithful. They're, they're sticking with it. They're going to endure. So whatever it is, if you need to find something, just read Galatians 5, 22 and 23 and start there. If not, God maybe has been prodding you with something and saying, hey, this is what I'm leading you to do. Take a step and find out how filling it really is to walk in God's will. Let's stand. We're going to close. Lord, we just thank you for this time to be in your presence. And I just, I just thank you that you are encouraging all of us to eat spiritually. God, that we want to, we want to go get something to eat. I want to go do something that you are calling me to do. I want to be who you've made me to be. I want to live out what you've said is true about my life, God. I'm going to raise my hallelujah. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to exercise myself spiritually so that I am able to begin to run farther and faster and to more places that you want to send me. God, I'm going to trust you even when I'm in the middle of the storm and who knows maybe that storm's going to lead me to the place i need to be lord i'm not going to refuse the test i'm going to take the test i'm going to take the test so that i can be strong and mature and learn what it means to walk in and see the goodness of god in my life so father i just pray for revelation knowledge i pray for every single person to have a revelation of what you're leading them to do maybe it's simple maybe it's just to walk in peace this week maybe it's to just hold on to the peace of god no matter what's going on around them that's the will of god let them walk in it let them be spiritually invigorated and sustained and may they grow in Jesus' name, I declare growth over every single person in this room. I declare health spiritually over every single person in this room, God. And we look forward to seeing the fruit. Lord, the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of peace, the fruit of goodness, the fruit of wisdom in every single person's life. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, if you agree, say amen. Amen. Be blessed. If you still need prayer. For anything, don't go out without getting personal prayer and bless someone as you go.